Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio. I'm Darren Hefty. We're going to talk about crop desiccation on today's show. And you may be saying, uh, I don't need to desiccate. The drought's doing that for me. Well, that may be the case this year. And on our farm, a lot of times we end up getting a frost and that helps bring harvest around. But it doesn't always happen. And in some areas, guys like to use desiccation for a variety of reasons. So we'll talk about what some of those reasons are on today's program and also some of the tools that you can use to desiccate a crop. We'll also be taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. And you can always email us, radio at agphd.com. Well, we've talked more about silage the last few years as a lot of our corn ends up going as corn silage to a neighboring dairy We've got corn that's down to 72% already in moisture, and often we're targeting 67 68% moisture as, as go time. So with uh, 100 degrees in the forecast today and tomorrow, it might be the end of the week. Who knows? And we'll be cutting silage already. So it's a little early for our area. And there's a couple factors at play. One, we've had less moisture. The last three years, we've had about half our normal annual rainfall, and if you're at the Ag PhD field day this year, you definitely noticed it on the crops in the area that they look okay, but boy, on some of the sandier spots in the hills, they they don't look so good. And that drought definitely was a bad deal for for corn this year. The other thing would be just the rapid accumulation we had of growing degree units. And today was a great example. We got down to 82 degrees last night. That's not normal for our part of South Dakota. Normally, we would expect to be about 60 at night and to be 82 degrees at night and 100 degrees during the day. You're pretty much maxing out the the growing degree day accumulation. And when you do that, it just pushes things along so much faster. We've got corn that's that's just rolling along. And honestly, the soybeans are, are coming along quite nicely, too, in the area. So just got some different things going on here. And as I mentioned with crop desiccation, there's a lot of unevenness out in fields. And that's one of the things that could potentially be used this year or on a year like this. A lot of farmers are talking about, well, I'm going to harvest this part of the field and then I'll just have to come back a few days later or a week later and harvest the other parts of the field. That can be done too. But if you want to try to do everything at the same time, if your crop is all has all reached maturity, you could certainly do it with a desiccant, just kill off the, the vegetation and let things dry up and, and you can grab it. One of the big things that I've seen just traveling around and talking to growers with different crops is trying to time that harvest. Sunflowers would be a great example. I talked to a lot of farmers that have multiple fields of sunflowers. And they'll use a crop desiccant to time it out. So they'll say, okay, well, I'm going to spray this field. I'm going to wait a couple of days. Then I'm going to spray the next field. Then I'm going to wait a couple of days, spray the next field and so forth. And then as they come ready to harvest, I know, hey, the next one will be a couple of days later. The next one will be a couple of days after that, rather than all of them coming at the same time. And you're just having a lot of challenges trying to do harvest timely. That could be used. Uh, I know we've got a lot of high-yield producers, especially in the south and on the coast. They like to desiccate soybeans, and they've had really nice results doing that. We have not done that on our farm yet, and it's something maybe someday 
we'll play around with a little desiccation. Um, they're, they're just uh, a lot of different purposes there. The other thing that we see is guys saying, well, I'm going to desiccate because I've got weeds coming in my crop. And I look at that more as a post or a pre-harvest burn down. Uh, but if you say, yeah, I'm going to accomplish two purposes at once, I'm going to kill the crop and I'm going to kill the weeds. Okay, I guess that could be a side benefit of, of desiccation at that point too. Uh, if you do have weeds creeping through this year, and I know there are a lot of folks who've said my crop just didn't canopy well enough or I had some bad weather or it was just so dry that some of my herbicides didn't work very well, that may be something to consider too going into this fall. So a lot of different things to, to look at. And of course, 2023 is another unique harvest season. Uh, I got a few questions that have come for the Ag PhD mailbag. Let's dive into a couple of those uh, before we head into the break. Mailbag time. Questions. Answers. Brian. Darren. Mailbag time. Yeah. Mailbag. All right. Got this one from Josh. You sit up in Southwest Ontario. Our corn is at R3. And we're just starting to see a few tar spot lesions in the corn. We haven't applied a fungicide. Is it still worth it to put a fungicide out there? At R3? Absolutely. Yeah, I'd be putting a fungicide out, no question about it. But here's the thing I want to caution you on. And you want to, is, let's just say that today you pull the trigger and you spray the fungicide at R3 on your corn. And you say, okay, I just see a few tar spot lesions, nothing big. Tar spot is going to be in your crop for a couple of weeks before it ever shows up with external symptoms. So if you're already seeing some external symptoms, it may be already heavily infected. I don't know. And I don't know which leaves have got it. For example, let's say it's lower leaves on the plant, not as big a deal as if it's on the ear leaf. So take some of that into account. But if it was me, and I know that tar spot can take a whole bunch of yield, and I'm only at R3 with my corn, I would be spraying the fungicide. Uh, Get this one in from Larry. He said, if we plant wheat as a cover crop with plans to plant rice in the spring, will the nutrients that the wheat utilizes be available to the rice after it's done uh, with burn down in the spring and then not tilled into the field? I don't know if, I guess I'm not sure what that means necessarily. If it's just, okay, I'm going to burn it down and just leave it. This year we received 30 inches of rain by April 1st. Wow. Okay, uh, so cover crop, one of the cool things is it will take up nutrients. Like, for example, leachable nutrients like nitrogen. And it will break them back down and leave them in the field if you don't harvest that crop. So, yeah, you can get those nutrients back. Now, will they all be available early in the season? No. But they will become available eventually. So, yeah, I do like that about cover crop. And thanks for the question, Larry. We appreciate that. We're going to talk a little about crop desiccation on today's program and take your calls and questions too. Stay tuned. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutricia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. Get uniform control in your fields with trusted, hardworking Lucento fungicide. 
control the toughest diseases with a dual-mode-of-action fungicide that consistently outperforms the competition and field trials. Lucinto fungicide from FMC works overtime for lasting control to help improve crop yields. Talk about getting the job done. Visit your FMC retailer or lucinto.ag.fmc.com for hardworking control in your fields. Always read and follow all legal directions. Now is your chance to refuel your farm equipment for free. Register today at fuel.clos.com for your chance to win $10,000 in free farm diesel fuel. From our high-capacity harvesting equipment to our high-horsepower tractors, Kloss is known for superior performance and exceptional fuel efficiency. So go to fuel.clos.com, then check out the advanced equipment at your local Kloss dealer. That's fuel.clas.com. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. back you're listening to ag phd radio talking about crop desiccation on today's show and we're also taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD let's head over to michigan state university get christy sprague with us christy how you doing i'm doing well darren well we worked so hard all year to grow this crop and keep it alive and now today we're talking about killing the crop on purpose with crop desiccation uh what are some crops in in michigan that desiccation's a common practice on uh for us definitely um dry edible beans is probably our uh number one crop that i work on also potatoes are pretty well um a lot of those are desiccated too so yeah definitely the dry beans um we've started to hear more talk about soybean uh, desiccation. So those are probably things that we're starting to look a little bit more closely at. Yeah, that's good. I'm glad you're doing the research on that. I was talking about that earlier too, that I've heard a lot of growers starting to talk about that, especially in the South and on the coasts, but, uh, hearing more about that here too. Um, I'm glad, I'm glad you're doing the research on that and we'll see how it turns out, Christy, and then I'll see if I'm interested in doing that. Uh, talk to us about the dry edible beans, though, because that's been going on for a long time. Uh, what's the purpose of that and, and what are they, what are they kind of targeting? Yeah, the, the big thing is um, a lot of times our dry edible beans are kind of mature at a different rate. So what growers need to do, especially for direct harvest, so basically being able to go out there and harvest with a combine instead of pulling them and windrowing and doing all the things that they used to do in the past. Um, they need to have that uh, dry bean crop uniformly dried down. So um, in those areas where it looks like uh, things are a little bit behind, a lot of times those desiccants help speed that up. And um, the key thing for most growers is to make sure that they wait long enough because one of the issues that we do have is sometimes those applications might get on a little bit too early and um, particularly with black beans, that might change uh, the color of the black beans, making them maybe a little bit lighter in color. Um, also, with certain herbicides, they do desiccate pretty quickly, so we can also see some reductions in yield. 
You know, that's the concern that, that I always have is getting that timing just right. And I, I think about 2023 is a great example here. There's a lot of unevenness in crops across the country. And are, are you timing it for the most done crop or are you timing it for the least done part of the crop? And, and exactly what is that cutoff? So like on dry beans, is it a, a maturity of the seed? Is it a moisture percentage? What, what really triggers that application? Yeah, a lot of that is um, depending on product, too. So some of it is, you know, having a certain percentage of leaf drop or a certain percentage of the pods starting to turn. Um, some of the products, uh, we want them to be at least um, at least at 30% moisture. So, you know, it's, it's, it's almost to the point where it's mature. But, yeah, so that's, those are kind of the cutoffs on some of the different products that we have. All right, Roundup is one that comes to mind. We hear a lot of guys talking about using glyphosate, but what are some of the, the most common products uh, outside of glyphosate? Um, so for us, for dry edible beans, uh, glyphosate actually isn't used too much because of some of the concerns of the potential for residues, particularly in a food crop, if it is applied too early. So a lot of companies have kind of moved away and basically telling the growers, hey, we don't want you using any sort of glyphosate product. So our kind of number one choices are um, pretty much Sharpen. So Saflufenicel has probably been used the most. And then um, a lot of combinations um, with Saflufenicel and Gramoxone. Gramoxone is also a number or a pretty good desiccant, uh, but with all the requirements and, um, you know, just some of the handling with it being a restricted use pesticide and some of the newer required trainings, a lot of people are uh, kind of shy away from that. So I would say Sharpen is probably our number one option. I love Sharpen. That's an awesome product. It burns down fast. And you had mentioned that before, that, that the speed of some of these products is going to change. Gramoxone, I would assume, is even faster. But with Sharpen, it does have some soil residual, too. Does that change rotations at all? Or are most guys, as they're burning down dry edible beans, not coming back with a cover crop or anything afterwards anyway? Yeah, so Sharpen does change um, what could potentially be planted the following year. So um, when we kind of look at uh, dry edible beans, sometimes we have some rotations to sugar beets. And um, there are, uh, you can go as high as two ounces of Sharpen, but in general, we've seen had pretty good luck with one ounce. And um, if we are going with one ounce, usually we can rotate to sugar beets pretty safely. We go with that higher rate, um, particularly if we have a hard winter where we have the ground is frozen. Um, that rotation restriction is a little bit longer, and we have seen some issues. So it's really important to know what you're going to rotate to. Um, the nice thing with Sharpen, let's say you're going to, a lot of times we'll go to winter wheat after uh, dry edible beans. So um, that Sharpen is actually helpful in trying to help uh give you some residual control of some of those um, winter annual weeds and as well as help bring those down that might be in that dry bean crop. Yeah, absolutely. We're seeing, I know in our state, we're seeing more farmers intentionally putting out residual herbicides in the fall, trying to deal with those winter annuals with, between cover crop and fall application of some of the residual herbicides. It's gotten a lot better for, for what we see for weeds in the spring. We've really been able to hold them down pretty well. Do you have weedy edible bean fields where growers say, you know what, not only am I desiccating, I'm getting a revenge kill on some of these pigweed yeah. or whatever other weeds are out there too. 
Yeah, and technically that's probably what those herbicides are mostly uh, supposed to be used for, is to actually desiccate some of those uh, weeds. And depending on the weed species, for example, if we have a lot of um, pigweed species out there, Sharpen works great. Um, if we do happen to see a lot of lamb's quarters with that's out there, a lot of times we like to do a combination of germoxone and Sharpen to help desiccate the lamb's quarter. So it really is kind of species dependent and how well each one of those products work. You know, we've got heat coming through this week, and I know germoxone works so much better when it's hot. And, and really, in general, burn-down products work better when it's at least warm out. How far into the fall can you push this and still have good success? So a lot of times we do end up running into some issues, potentially in some of the cooler, cloudier October time frame. In some cases, we might have to come back with a second application. So um, in general, it is always better if we can get some sun on it as well as um, some heat, but that doesn't always happen because I know with a lot of, depending on how well the driving crop is progressing, it could be mid, mid to late October until some of those applications are made. We usually like to see that in September, but um, we've, we've seen it where we've had to wait a little bit longer just to get that crop far enough along to be able to make those applications. One last question for you, Christy. We're towards the end of the 2023 growing season, and everybody's always concerned. Are there weeds that you said, man, they really surprised me this year. I wasn't expecting that one to be so bad. Or is there more resistance that we need to be updated on with HPPDs or others? Coming out of 2023, are there any big lessons you learned? I think for us, because, um, like, with most of the Midwest, we were pretty dry uh, that um, May, May and June time frame. So we didn't have a lot of weed emergence and the crop was kind of sitting there waiting for uh, some moisture. And we've gotten a lot of rain over the last uh, pretty much through July into August. So we've had a lot of late emergence and um, water hump hasn't been as much of a problem in Michigan as it has in some of the other states. But this year with those late rains and I think just the the spread that we've seen, I think that's one thing that we're, um, we've been talking about water hemp to our growers for a long time, but I think until they actually see it in their fields, it's um, <laughs> kind of can be seen as not too much of a problem. And I think this year we're really starting to see it spread more across the state. Well, I don't wish more water hemp problems on anybody. That's not a fun one to have to fight. But, uh, you know, we're talking about desiccating a crop, knocking out some of these. Hopefully before some of them go to seed, that, that can't be a bad deal. Uh, and we're talking with Christy Sprague up at Michigan State University. Christy, thank you so much. We really appreciate having you on today. Thank you. So much to learn here about crop desiccation. We get to talk a little bit about dry edible beans here, but certainly... Uh, uh, there are other crops that are going to be used or other crops that are going to use desiccants to help as a harvest aid and, and for other reasons. We'll talk more about that. We'll take your calls and questions as well at 844-44-AG-PHD. Stay tuned. The hardworking independent spirit of rural America can often be isolating. It's not often discussed, but mental health issues are real. Now's the time to lead by example, talk openly, and show that a strong mind is just as important as a strong body. FMC is proud to be working toward ending the misconceptions around mental health through awareness, guidance, and action. 
Together, we can uproot the stigma. Insects have reigned since the dawn of time. Adapted to their surroundings, experienced the harshest climates and toughest challenges until now. With two modes of action, Ridgeback Insecticide delivers one devastating outcome for soybean aphids, extinction from your fields. They may have lived through it all, but they won't survive this. End soybean aphids reign at ridgeback.corteva.us. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Good morning and hallelujah! Watch it. My spray and pray days are over! What's with Randy? Oh, he's just amped. <laughs> we feel heaven Amped? Yeah, he ordered that new Battalion Amped herbicide from UPL. They're calling it the new gold standard. This is the greatest day in herbicidal history! So, how can I... Get amped? Just go to battalionamp.com. It's gonna be a good year! Always read and follow label directions. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Get an extra semi-load out of your grain bin. The end zone from FarmShop MFG can increase your stored beans moisture from 10 to 13%. On a 20,000 bushel bin, that's a free extra semi-load. Visit FarmShopMFG.com for more. Win the war against weeds in your soybean fields with fierce herbicides from Valent USA. With three different formulations and multiple modes of action, you're sure to find the right fierce product to protect your operation from tough weeds like Palmer Amaranth and Water Hemp. Give your soybeans a strong, clean start with up to eight weeks of residual control with the powerful pre-emergence protection of Fierce Herbicide. Ask your local retailer or visit valent.com fierce to find the right fierce formulation for you. Always read and follow label instructions. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. Talking about crop desiccation, but also taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. And you can always email us, radio at agphd.com. Well, we aren't doing a lot of crop desiccation on our farm, and so I don't have a whole lot of stories here of, oh yeah, when we were desiccating earlier this month, or uh, we're going to be desiccating in a month, and here's what we're going to do. So we're talking to some other great farmers out there and, and other resources that we've got. We've got Johnny Varell on right now. who works with the Extreme Ag Group, farms down in Tennessee. Johnny, how you doing? Doing great. How are you doing? Good. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, uh, crop desiccation, is that a big deal for you? And if so, which crops do you see some benefit for you? Yeah, we, we desiccate all of our soybeans, uh, especially our full-season soybeans. It just really helps us get in the field you know it's it's hard for us to get those plants to shut down because we're predominantly dry land so a lot of times it gets dry and the plant starts shutting down and then about the time it's getting ready to you know get ready for harvest it starts raining they want to green back up some so for us you know here in west tennessee it's getting to be a really common practice 
You know, we hear a lot of folks talk about that in soybeans, and I, I look at some of our soybean fields, I see unevenness out there. Is that something, too, where you've got, hey, maybe on the hills it's a little different than the valleys and kind of even things up? Yeah, so for us, you know, every almost every field or every farm has, you know, a, a hill and a valley in the same field, so in the same pass. So it's just the best way we can get in there and, and get those beans out without having some that are, you know, 20-plus percent and some 9 percent in the same pass. You know, it just really helps even them out. Absolutely. What what do the soybeans look like this year? How How's your crop coming along? we got a really good uh, soybean crop. It's, uh, we've had, you know, we've had our fair share of rain in July really help finish these beans out going into August and you know we'll actually start desiccating next week excellent so, excellent what yeah. where do you pull the trigger on that is it a moisture percentage or what are you looking for on the plants so we'll go out there you know we'll start looking at them about R6 and you know them beans kind of get square and those pods kind of shoulder up and we usually know about a week later come back so about R, R6 and a half we'll come back and you know when that membrane will separate from that soybean pod, that's when we kind of pull that trigger. So it, it's really about R6 and a half, usually when we're there. When we check about 75% of the pods we pull, when they're all checking that way, that's when we pull the trigger and, and, and desiccate them. Top to bottom on the plant, do you see uh, pods getting ready faster at the top or at the bottom, or where are you kind of grabbing these pods from? Yeah, so it just depends on the yield environment. If it's a, a 60 bushel environment, we'll usually go down about four uh, you know, in the top four nodes there and kind of check those. Um, if it's a higher yield environment than that, we just start checking the, the very top nodes, you know, the top one or two nodes is where we'll check. And when they're ready, we're ready to pull the trigger. So it's all depending on the yield environment. It's kind of what we've learned and the best fit for us for sure. Yeah, I think about the, the really high yield spots in our farm, and a lot of times it's that last rain and we get just tremendous pod fill right at the top node or top couple of nodes. And I, I know what you mean. Those those are probably going to be a pretty good indicator of they, they got to be far enough along. We don't want to waste them by getting out there too early. In terms of desiccants, do you have a go-to product or have you got a couple that, that you choose from depending on weather conditions and, and other sources? Yeah, it's um, pretty much a go-to product. We use a lot of Paraquat, and uh, we, we don't run a real high rate of it. And we put a little bit of, you know, NIS in there, and, you know, that, that really works well for us. I guess the only time we would add anything else is if we got some grass escapes or anything like that going on and we wanted to dry that grass out, you know, we could add a product like Sharpen or something like that to kind of help dry that grass out. Yeah, Gramaxone is a, is a hot product. It works fast. I, I remember back, yeah. uh, my gosh, my first year out of college, we had a, a just a terrible flood year. And uh, just to get into the fields, guys were using Gramaxone on 90-degree days, and it was crispy <laughs> within an hour or two. It was kind of crazy how that went. You said you've kind of dialed in that rate a little bit, and it doesn't take too much. Uh, is it because of you're doing it in August when you've got the heat that you can get by with a little less? Yeah, I think that's a lot of it, and, uh, you know, we just make sure we get good coverage. For us, we like we try to go every morning and spray a couple loads out, and that's usually what we can harvest in a day. So we'll go out and spray a couple loads when the dew's on, so you got a lot of moisture on the leaves to kind of help spread that, you know, spread that paraquat out over those leaves. It really seems to work really well. Awesome. Well, it sounds like uh, that's coming up really quick for you. How about your other crops? You seeing corn coming along fast this year, too? Yeah, we're actually going to start harvesting corn uh, here in the next hour. Or so we've been waiting on oh, one wow. last part for our dryer. So yeah, the corn's coming on, and 
it, it looks it looks really good. So we'll see how it starts turning out here later on this week. Okay, we we have a little debate on this on our farm about when exactly we should get going, and and we're we're both kind of on I would say industry wide on the wet side. Uh, we want we want at least twenty percent moisture, but twenty four is really our spot where if we're in that 20 to 24 we're going to go for it do you guys have kind of a go-to moisture you're looking for you like it drier or do you like it a little wetter yeah i prefer around that 25 but we're actually going to start probably around it's in between 28 and 30 percent but there's a decent premium right now uh, at our local market so we're going to try to capitalize on that before the for the lines get here and then we're in you know 95 to 100 degree temperature the next few days, so drying's a lot easier when you got the free heat. So absolutely, well, you it's sound a lot like my brother Johnny. Yeah, yeah, I know it's 28 to 30, but yeah. man, there's a premium out there. That's this is these are exact yeah. Brian Hefty quotes here, Johnny. Yeah, <laughs> everything flows better after 25. Though. Everything comes out of the trucks, the grain yes. carts, everything does. But yes. you know the the dryer we have is very efficient, and it it doesn't seem to care what the moisture is. It just takes it a little bit longer, so. We're going to give it a shot and see how things go and just, just try to see what we have, too. That way we can kind of know, you know, what we're going into harvest, what we're going to be dealing with as far as volumes. Yeah, yeah, it sure is fun to get started with harvest. I know we're getting close. We're just about ready to start cutting silage here on our farm, and that's really the first thing. And then we got a little bit of time before we'll get into our soybeans up here. But really excited for you guys down there in Tennessee, Johnny, and, and excited to hear how, how that harvest turns out. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for being on today, and good luck with your desiccation coming up as well. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you for giving me a call. You bet. Yeah, it's fun uh, when you got man corn harvest coming on today. Just just waiting on a part, and then we can get rolling. I loved hearing loved hearing that because corn harvest is so fun. Uh, in fact, I, I've got a, a retired farmer that lives uh, just a couple doors down from me, and. He's like, hey, when's harvest going to start? Need another hand driving a truck or driving an auger wagon? Something out there. I'm ready to ready to get back out there. It's it's just a fun time of year. Uh, Dive back into the Ag PhD mailbag here and had a question that came in about soil sampling, and I thought this one was pretty interesting. Um, this comes from Tabor down in northwest Kansas. He said, I'm about to start taking some soil samples for my wheat planting this fall. I've struggled to find a definite answer as the depth that I should go. Just kind of curious what you guys think. I plan on doing one acre grids like you guys are encouraging and want to just learn as much as I can here. Uh, and then finally, I'm going to send my samples to Midwest Labs. Just curious what tests you guys are running as well. Hey, thanks, Tabor. Uh, first of all, uh, congratulations. That's going to be awesome to get that data on your farm. It's going to be fun to see what kind of variants you pick up on out there and how you can adjust and, and start making some more money out of that and, and growing better crops. We like to do six inch tests. It doesn't really matter if you do six or eight, uh, just be consistent with whatever you do. So on your soil probe, just make a mark on there. So you're for sure going to stay at that exact depth. And then the big thing is holding that probe straight up and down. So whether you're doing uh, some kind of automated probe or you're just doing it manually like we do, just hold it straight up and down so you get the same amount of each inch of soil in that probe. That'll be the big deal. At Midwest Labs, there's a couple different tests that we've run over the years. I, I love the S3C test. That's been nice. It runs a DTPA extraction on micronutrients which we like other than on the manganese test. We do like the Malik test better on that. So we've been running the S3CM 
So the M would just be Malik with that. Either way, they're really good tests. I don't know if there's a huge difference in cost or whatnot, but they've got all the same nutrients analyzed. You'll get base saturation, all the micros, um, uh, all the goodies. So that's what I would do. And yeah, if you have questions as you run those tests, we'd love to see them. Uh, you can sure send them to us, radio at agphd.com. Thanks, Tabor. Talking crop desiccation on today's show, and we'll get back into that discussion right after this. When nematode pressure mounts, Seed Applied Trunemco provides assurance. Growers using Trunemco are seeing a difference. From early plant vigor to improved soybean and cotton yield, impressive results are everywhere, and we want to hear about yours. You could win $20,000 and be named a Trunemco Top Grower. Request your starter kit at newfarm.com forward slash top grower, but don't delay. Contest ends November 30th. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. See full rules. Newfarm.com forward slash top grower. Corn rootworms are called the billion-dollar bug for a reason. If you don't control the adult populations now, their offspring will cost you later. Steward EC Insecticide from FMC offers a unique mode of action that delivers fast and long-lasting residual control of corn rootworm beetles and other tough insects. Choose Steward EC Insecticide from FMC. Always read and follow label directions and precautions for use. Your farm data platform might let you manage your fertilizer plan by helping you set sample points, determine management zones, or create fertilizer recommendations. With Verify, you can do all that. But what Verify does that no one else can is take yield data straight from your combine, correlate this info to soil test points, and immediately generate variable rate fertilizer maps based on your nutritional goals. Whether you want to build soil levels, balance your field for uniform nutrition, or maintain fertility levels by simply applying what you removed at harvest. And with full integration with John Deere Operations Center, Verify can send recommendations directly to application equipment, no matter the color. Sign up for your Verify account today at Verify.com and keep your farm moving. That's V-R-A-F-Y dot com. Are you ready? We got the need! The need for seed treatment! Start your engines! Ready, set, Intego! Start your season strong with Intego Sweet Soybeans, Intego Fungicide Soybeans, and Intego Sweet Cereals OF from Valent USA. Ask your Valent rep about seed treatment solutions or visit valent.com slash Intego. Always read and follow label instructions. 360 Yield Saver pays back fast. Hi, Greg Souter from 360 Yield Center. For a 12 row corn head, harvesting 2,000 acres of corn, you'd spend $7,200 on the Yield Savers. Those replacement gathering chains cut header loss by 80%. With today's corn prices, the grain you save will pay for the investment of 360 Yield Saver in less than 600 acres. This crop is too valuable to leave bushels in the field due to header loss. Put that extra grain back in your tank with 360 Yield Saver. Thank you. 
Crop desiccation is the topic on today's Ag PhD radio program. Thanks for listening to us. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio, and we're taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Got our friend Trevor Dale with Valent on right now to talk a little about desiccation. Trevor, how you doing? I'm doing very good. How are you, Darren? Well, pretty good. I'm thinking about weeds when we get this late in the year, and I'm like, man, it's time for some fall application of herbicide, and maybe we can kill two birds at one stone, Trevor, or with one stone, Trevor, here if we do crop desiccation and also leave a little residual out there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it it depends on what crop you're desiccating, because there's several of them that get desiccated, but um, either way, you're going to get some residual out there, and you know, you take a crop like sunflowers, or where you could put on three ounces, and that's going to be late enough in the year that that's your fall application at the same time. When you say three ounces, you're talking about so, Valor, or which product Valor, do you like to use? Yes, I'm talking about Valor. Yep. You know, when we, and, think, when we think about Valor, I think about broadleaves and and obviously sunflowers, broadleaf crop. Uh, when when we're targeting some of these products, are you mixing something in for grass too? We were talking earlier with Christy Stra- Christy Sprague at Michigan State, and uh, we were talking with a farmer down in Tennessee, Johnny Varell, and I think both had mentioned, you know what? Every once in a while, we've got some grass out there too, and we just want to knock that back and add a little something with it. Yes, so it depends on the crop and what people are able to use, but. Uh, Roundup is one. Sometimes it's uh, Gramoxone. Um, it it depends on what what crop it is and what's labeled in that crop. But I I think that tank mixing is an excellent idea because sometimes with all of them, you know, you get different environmental conditions affect the efficacy or coverage, and so a tank mix of two products is going to give you a better um, not only crop desiccation, but also weed control as well. Talk to us about Valor just a little bit. Obviously, that's a product that gets used in a lot of different crops and for a lot of different purposes. Like today, we're talking about crop desiccation. How do you get it to work yeah. when you're trying to desiccate a crop and, and get great coverage? Because some of these crops are, are pretty big, and you think about sunflowers. They've got that great big head and, and big leaves, and sometimes yeah. they get pretty tall. How do you best accomplish a good desiccation? Well... So proper timing, uh, which varies by crop, but you want to make sure that you're at the either right growth stage or maturity because you don't want to be out there on, like, grass green dry beans. You want to make sure that the crop is it's ready to be killed. And so sunflowers is primarily going to be an aerial application, and anything, you know, Maybe giving the pilot an extra dollar or two, but if you can get to five dollar or five gallons per acre of carrier volume, that that's going to help a lot. And same thing with ground. Um, Fifteen is good, but twenty is better. You know, it's a, all about coverage, like you said there. And oftentimes there is a full dense canopy, maybe not full dense, but there's a lot of canopy to hit. So anything you can do with proper adjuvants, um, water volumes, you know, nozzles that, you know, put out more of a medium to finer spray. Um, Yeah. 
Well, I think the number this... of different things you can do. Um, two pints of, per acre of MSO recommended with Valor. So it it's a little bit more flexible, Darren, than you know some of the others, um, like Gramoxone, for example. If it's overcast or cooler out, you know, will not work as well. And we haven't seen that as much with Valor, um, but obviously, if, if you can spray during the middle of the day under full sun and as warm as it can be, those are that's going to give you the most impact. Yeah, I think when we're talking about crop desiccation here, it's really important to note this isn't like your first pass post-emerge in soybeans where if something doesn't work just perfect, oh, no big deal. We'll just come back and make another pass uh, with crop yeah. desiccation uh no it's the right time right now and we want everything to be perfect so you you want to pick those days like you mentioned you pick those nice sunny days where it's a little warmer and just stop whatever else you're doing knock this out and then add the right additives in like you mentioned a couple of pints of mso per acre with with the valor that's going to be hot and three ounces of valor yeah. is, is a pretty decent rate uh, I know with our fall applications, just for soil residual, sometimes we run even more. Are you limited on how much valor yeah. you can do, or is it more an economic thing? Yeah, no, it depends on the crops. Um, so most of the, well, all of the crops that uh, Valor's labeled on for a harvest aid are uh, is three ounces is the maximum use rate, and that's at two ounces. Oh, I'm sorry, you cut out so there. Except, except we, which crop? We usually wheat. Wheat. The maximum use rate is two ounces. All other ones: sunflowers, dry beans, chickpeas, everything else is three ounces. So right. yeah, we can't run the four that we normally recommend, and you know, for fall uh, herbicide applications. But um, you know, three is is really good, and a lot of people have used it you know, for desiccation and see some of the residual impacts either later that fall or into the next spring. So. All right. We're talking crop desiccation today, but we've got Trevor Dale with us right now with Valent. Can I ask you about the fall herbicide application too a little bit, Trevor, you've been banging this drum for a long time. You've been involved with a lot of different farm operations, uh, way up in the Northern part of the country, even putting out residual herbicides, stopping those winter annuals, stopping a lot of tough weeds so next spring is easier. And anything that makes next spring easier for me, I'm all for. So to, how do you get these fall treatments to yeah. work, and what do you recommend? Okay. So I, it, I'm almost always recommending four ounces of Valor. And the, the maximum you can apply is what you were saying. And then... Also, what we're trying to transition to is more fierce in that application for a second mode of action to help uh, not only on kochia that's becoming a lot more difficult to control, um, but it also adds a lot on the grass control as well. Like in North Dakota, there's getting, it's not, 100% of the state, but there's certainly pockets where they're really struggling with wild oats and uh, green and yellow foxtail both. And, and downy brome is another one in no-till that can be a challenge. So I, I would strongly recommend people going fierce plus valor in the fall. 
to maximize control of both the grasses and broadleaves. And never, never, never spray without a burn down product in there at, at a minimum of Roundup, but I really like Roundup and Dicamba or some sort of uh, something to burn down the stuff that's out there. The biggest issue I've always or you know, always run into is people, well, I didn't see any weeds out there, so I, I just went with straight Valor. And the next spring, it's controlling the um, annuals, but the winter annuals and perennials that were out there in the fall are still there growing because they didn't put the burn down products in. So that is the single biggest issue that we ever run into. But other than that, it works extremely well. And it's not to say that Valor doesn't have some burn-down activity on its own, but a lot of times in the fall we're talking about big weeds and we're also talking about starting to get cooler temperatures and we just need a little more killing power in there. We've had really good luck with those fall treatments as well, and it's something that gets used on more and more acres each year. If you haven't tried fall residuals, uh, give it a try on a weedy field or two this year. And like Trevor was saying, add, add a burner like a dicamba in with four ounces of Valor or if you run the high rate on Fierce, uh, it's just night and day difference next year. Trevor, thank you so much. Really yeah. appreciate having you on today here. I know we're getting close towards harvest, so so good luck as your family heads towards harvest as well. Yeah, you too. Thank you, Darren. Talking about crop desiccation on today's show, but we'll be right back digging the Ag PhD mail- mailbag after this. When it comes to protecting your field from disease and environmental stress, there's Revitech fungicide. (laughs) And there's everything else. When it comes to unparalleled power, there's Revitech. And everything else. And when it comes to speed and stamina, this is Revitech. And this is everything else. Nothing else comes close to Revitech fungicide from BASF. Always read and follow label directions. When I step on someone's farm, I feel like I've already walked a mile in their shoes. I spin spring on the tractor and fall on the combine. I see the excitement in my kids' eyes on our farm, but worry if there's enough of it for all of them. I make sure everything Case IH makes meets the challenges farmers face, because I face them too. My name is Ryan, I am a farmer, and I work at Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. Your farm data platform might let you manage your fertilizer plan by helping you set sample points, determine management zones, or create fertilizer recommendations. With Verify, you can do all that. But what Verify does that no one else can is take yield data straight from your combine, correlate this info to soil test points, and immediately generate variable rate fertilizer maps based on your nutritional goals. Whether you want to build soil levels, balance your field for uniform nutrition, or maintain fertility levels by simply applying what you removed at harvest. And with full integration with John Deere Operations Center, Verify can send recommendations directly to application equipment, no matter the color. Sign up for your Verify account today at Verify.com and keep your farm moving. That's V-R-A-F-Y dot 
you can count on AgroLiquid for precision crop nutrition. When you don't get all your potash down in the fall, when weather or market prices change your management strategy, or when you want to balance your fertilizer program with micronutrients, AgroLiquid is ready with the products and application flexibility you want for in-season crop nutrition and the research-proven results you need. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. From mowing to loading or even moving snow, a John Deere compact utility tractor is ready for any task. During the CNB Summer Blowout event going on now, get yours for zero money down and 0% interest for 84 months. This offer won't last forever, so check out your nearest CNB or learn more at DeerEquipment.com. From machine storage buildings and farm shops to dependable buildings to house your livestock, regardless of building size or use, Morton has a building for every budget. To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit MortonBuildings.com. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio. And we're taking your calls and questions throughout the rest of the show. 844-44-AG-PHD. Or you can email us, radio at agphd.com. A question in from Trenton. He said, hey, I was listening to your, your show. You were talking about grain bin preparation the other day. I'm a young farmer. Found many great tips uh, as we like to store what we can. Uh, so my question for you today, is there anything more or different that we should be looking into on new grain bins? We're currently building some new grain bins for this harvest and wonder if there's anything special we should be doing before putting the first crop in there. We're farming corn and soybeans in northwest Iowa. Hey, Trenton, thank you so much. Really appreciate that. You know, a, a few things, I guess, and we've built some bins in recent years, too. Uh, we really like having a side draw if we can, just so you don't have to turn on an auger or anything else. So depends on how tall those bins are going to be. But uh, if they're taller bins, uh, having a side draw is really nice. So that would be probably one of my favorite features. Uh, the other thing, I guess, just as you're putting a f- first crop into any bin, uh, just make sure everything's working. Make sure the motors are hooked up properly. Um, you know, just double check everything because you hate for the first time you want things to work and they don't. Uh, So I'm not sure what types of systems you're putting in there for unloading and so forth. There are a lot of different options and a lot of things that you can do. But, you know, this is a great investment that you're making on the farm. And I mean, the bins that my dad set up 40 years ago are still being used today. So just Plan for the future. Plan for what things are going to be. You know, for for me, the other thing that I really like, one of the newer things, has been bin fan controls. So I like to have plenty of aeration. I like to have um, plenty of ventilation in that bin so we can blow moisture in or out of the, the grain, depending on what we need to do, and cool things down. We had a guest on earlier on today's program that was talking about he likes to harvest uh, wet corn at the start of harvest because he goes, man, we got all kinds of heat right now I can use to dry that grain down with just air. So that's a, a big advantage if you have your bin set up for doing that. Hey, Trent, thanks for the questions. Uh, there's a lot of things that you can do on those bins, and it all depends on what your budget is too and how much extra you want to spend. But I, I like to just leave my options open so I can can adjust as my farm changes throughout the years. Got a question that came in here from Larry. And he said, after a long dry spell, we got much needed rain for our soybeans. That's awesome, Larry. Happy for you. I love these August rains for the beans. 
Uh, but Larry goes on and says, but now my plants are sending out new leaves and pods at the top of the plant. I'm just curious, will they mature or what will happen to them? Well, that's a great question, Larry, since it's still the middle of August. Uh, I don't know exactly where you're at, but I, I'm guessing you've got plenty of time if if the beans are going to put out new leaves and new pods. Uh, on our farm, we've definitely seen that. We've seen some more flowers, and, and oftentimes we see flowering up to about R5.5. So we've got a few new flowers, and we got some clusters of pods up towards the top of plants, and that's awesome. A lot of times that adds another five bushels on our yield if they all make it. So just keep scouting, keep watching for insects and other problems. We've got a ton of pod clipping bugs in our area this year. Uh, one of them being grasshoppers. If you've got a lot of pod clippers out there in the field, you might have to protect that investment uh, or protect those new flowers, new pods with an insecticide application. Uh, if you do that, just check the labels. There are some products that have a three-week pre-harvest interval and some that have longer uh, three weeks, well, you sure got that much time. So you could certainly get by doing that if you need to. But I, I'm with you. I, I love getting these late rains, and I do think that you'll be able to keep those pods, provided you have frost come at a normal time. I mean, we've seen it before on our farm where we've gotten a really early frost, and some of those didn't quite make it. But I think your odds are really good, especially as a lot of the beans on your plant have already made it. And there are long ways towards getting ready for harvest. The plant can really focus a lot of its energy on those top pods. And um, hopefully hopefully you see that five bushel bumper more uh, like we would expect to see. Hey, thanks, Larry. We do appreciate that. And, and hope you hope you even get a little bit more rain. That'd be fantastic. I know we need to recharge here. Our soils are quite dry. Got a question here from Bryce out in Pennsylvania. He said, hey, guys, uh, we recently harvested our wheat and we're having quite a few weeds returning. I want to try and burn down these weeds in the fall to get an effective kill going into corn this coming spring. Just curious what products you might recommend. I've got some leftover dicamba on hand. My top three weeds are mare's tail, ragweed, and Canada thistle. Also, I do have some miscellaneous grass out there that I could pick up as well. Uh, and, and Bryce, again, is in Pennsylvania. Yeah, lots of rain. I know a lot of uh, farmers that I've talked to in that region have just gotten a ton of rain here at the end of the season, making wheat harvest more than challenging. So glad you got the wheat off. Hopefully things turned out well there for you. But you're right. We got some weeds out there, and we got enough growing season for them to make seed. So if you can knock them out before they do that, that would be awesome. Dicamba can certainly be effective on the weeds that you mentioned. With the Canada thistle, though, I just want to throw that out there. Now, with mare's tail and the ragweed, you may say, I don't think glyphosate's going to work very well on those. But on the Canada thistle, it could. And that's something where I'd have to know your fields and know... Well, how much of a problem are some of these things? With Canada thistle, it's often patches. And if you could, the first thing you did, just go out with straight Roundup and hit those Canada thistle patches before there's been any tillage done, before there's been a dicamba application, you could actually get enough Roundup down into the root system to take those Canada thistle plants out for good. And I'm not saying there isn't going to be a single one that's going to pop back up, but you could do a serious number on them. 
Uh, I would really strongly consider that. And then next time that you've got wheat out there, I would look for a way to get some stinger out there because you could definitely knock those thistles back pretty hard with some stinger. So that would be one thing. And then on the Maristel ragweed, um, you know, you could just go dicamba. The cool thing about the fall is you can go a really strong rate if you want to. So if those weeds are big or if you clip them off and they've got just a massive root system underneath them, you could go a full quart to dicamba if, if that's what it's going to take to knock them out. On the grass side, the easiest and cheapest thing would be glyphosate. And fortunately, glyphosate has come down in price. So talk to your local dealers about that one and see what kind of deals there are. We're hearing a lot of the deals are starting September 1st. So you, you may, if you can wait just a little bit, uh, then then you might save some money on that. But check with your dealer on that. I'd use Roundup on the grass. I'd use Roundup on the Canada Thistle if you can. If not, if you said, no, I can't do that, I just need to go over the field one time and be done, well, then I'd use a, a combination of dicamba and Roundup, get the grass and get the broadleaves the best you can. Hey, thanks for the question, Bryce. We really appreciate that. And and by the way, I should just mention on the those thistles, because I know a lot of folks will say, well, geez, Darren, you're, you're going to hit those thistles really hard with the with the dicamba, you are, but you're burning off the tops of them. It doesn't really get down into that root system very well. And here's an opportunity when you don't have a crop out there to really throw a strong rate around up. So I would think about doing it just a little different. You could even use some stinger out there if you want, and it would be good on the ragweed and good on the thistle. Uh, but I don't think it would be enough for you on the mare's tail. Uh, I guess since you're rotating to corn, you know, obviously stinger can be used in corn. So that might be a, an option for you as well. But I like the dicamba. Then you just, you leave your options open. Who knows what the weather is going to be next spring. All right. Uh, got a, a question or a series of questions that came in. Um, but I'm going to, since we only got about a minute left in the show, I'm just going to take this one from Conrad. Uh, so you guys were talking about increasing stock size on corn. But I just want to grow a bigger ear. What can I do to influence the ear size on corn? You know, kind of, first of all, some of that is going to come down to the hybrid because some hybrids definitely have more flex to the ear than others. Some just naturally have a better chance of producing a 20 kernel around or 22 kernel around ear than others. So talk to your seed providers about that, looking at what, what, um, corn hybrids may have the most flex to them and then which way they're going to flex, whether it's on girth or on length. One thing about corn, it needs a good amount of fertility early and to really see some good flex for girth. I like having some pop-up fertilizer or if you're doing some strip tillage, putting fertilizer very close to the row so you can get a lot of fertility uptake early. If you can irrigate, try irrigating just a little bit earlier to push those nutrients into the plant. That's going to help you getting that ear to flex and become a little bit bigger. Thanks for the question. We appreciate it. And thanks to you for listening today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.